The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. All right, welcome back, folks. For those just arriving, I'm Mae Elliott, and we're continuing our series on the five hindrances. So um, when I was a teenager, one of my favorite things to do was to go backpacking. Uh, we would go deep into the backcountry, carrying everything we needed on our backs, and we'd hike out to remote lakes and mountains. And as part of this experience, we needed to hike from water source to water source to refill our water bottles. Uh, and sometimes this would be from a tiny spring or a creek or a large lake. And we carried these little these little hand pumps that filtered out bacteria. I remember many peaceful afternoons sitting by a creek uh, deep in the forest, pumping water into my bottle. And the filters were pretty good, uh, but if the water we found was too murky or filled with silt or too uh, too overgrown with moss, then the filters wouldn't be able to do their job, uh, and we couldn't drink the water. Um, so we really needed our water to be somewhat clear in order to sustain us and to uh, continue on our journey. Similarly, you know, the Buddha compared the five hindrances uh, to a pond with unclear water. So in an unafflicted mind, the water's clear, but in a mind that's afflicted by the hindrances, the water's unclear. So the doubtful mind was compared to murky water. You can't see through it. Uh, the sleepy mind is like water overgrown with moss. Uh, the restful, the restless mind is like stirred up water. The mind with ill will is boiling water as though uh, hot with anger. And the desirous mind is compared to water filled with colorful dye, a shade that's uh, so en enchanting it can entrance us. You know, we're drawn to it. Uh, so. Our mind is a little like the water we'd find on these backpacking trips. When the mind is clear, it can be life-giving, more like fresh spring water. If the mind's too agitated, if it's too murky, too overgrown, then it's not clear and we can't be nourished by it. So today, we'll focus on the third hindrance, uh, sloth and torpor. Now, lots of these terms um, were translated when Victoria was Queen of England. So the term sounds a little archaic, but all sloth and torpor really refers to is sleepiness. Um, other ways it might appear in our practice are, um, and these words might be more resonant for you, drowsiness, fatigue, lethargy, dullness, etc. Um, and in our practice, we might come across just a run-of-the-mill sleepiness where the body just um, physiologically needs more sleep, then this technically isn't sloth and torpor. It's not necessarily a hindrance if we're just physically needing more sleep or underslept. Um, sloth and torpor as a hindrance occurs when there's a psychological cause to it. Uh, for example, boredom or indifference, disinterest, complacency, uh, hopelessness. So these are all things that can lead to a dull mind, that can lead to a mind that wants to go to sleep. Um, and um, I should also note that sloth typically refers to a mental sleepiness and torpor to a physical tiredness. Um, and sloth and torpor as a hindrance are products of an attitude we have. 
So for example, during daily life, uh, we accrue stories about ourselves and we often uh, replay them like blockbuster hits in our meditation. Um, and during meditation, as the mind learns to let go of these movie reruns, sometimes the lack of entertainment makes the mind get sleepy. Um, so as we develop a taste for the, the peace and stillness, um, at first it can uh, it can register as boring <laughs> and sleepiness can arise. Uh, we're not used to um, a screen with a, um, a movie projected on it. So this would be an example of sloth and torpor resulting from a psychological source rather than a lack of sleep. Um, or sometimes the energy expended from replaying the blockbuster hits has exhausted us physically and mentally. So we experience sloth and torpor as, as a result of riding the intensity of uh, the highs and low, off, lows. Often there's a contraction in the body uh, when, when we're riding the highs and lows, and that can actually make us tired also. Or sometimes we experience sloth and torpor um, because the mind doesn't want to experience a certain state. Um, such as grief, disappointment, or self-judgment. Um, so in the same way that the Buddha compared sloth and torpor to a pond overgrown with moss, sometimes we want to pull the metaphorical covers over our head uh, and go to sleep rather than feel a certain difficult emotion. So the sleepiness actually functions as a strategy of avoidance. Uh, so as we move into this third hindrance of sloth and torpor, um, we can see that it's really an energetic state. You know, that's what we explored in our meditation. Uh, the fourth hindrance of restlessness is also energetic. So um, we could say these two um, are kind of two sides of the spectrum, sloth and torpor presenting as low energy and restlessness often presenting as high energy. Uh, when I was sitting early, my early meditation retreats, I had a lot of sleepiness. It was a lot of like the head head jerking, uh, looking bronco routine. Um, and this was really unpleasant for me and I spent a lot of time fighting it. Um, but what I learned through that was that much, much of the suffering with sleepiness was actually my resistance to it. My sense that the, the sleepiness shouldn't be there. So for me, it was actually a version that was making the experience a suffering state. Sleepiness itself is karmically neutral. It's not bad. Um, so uh, what was happening for me is I was having a multiple hindrance attack, the combination of sleepiness followed by aversion. So I want to take just a little detour to mention how aversion crops up in relationship to the other hindrances. Um, because the hindrances themselves are often unpleasant, in addition to the primary hindrance, uh, like sleepiness, it's not uncommon to have aversion arise. So we can have aversion arise with any of the hindrances. Uh, it can arise um, even in relationship to aversion. So um, aversion to aversion, like we're trying to get rid of our anger. And uh, this is one of the reasons I call aversion the tag-along hindrance, because it often tags, tags along with the others. So as you practice with all of the hindrances, Notice if there's an attitude like, oh no, this shouldn't be happening, or this sleepiness is ruining my meditation, or my mind is so rest restless, there's too much thinking, I should know better. So often we, when we see the aversion clearly, we can begin to reorient and learn to relate to the initial hindrance with more patience and kindness.
So all to say, uh, you don't need to resist sleepiness uh, or get aversive to it. Instead, can you befriend your sleepiness? Um, you, know, you can just make, uh, you can make friends with the peaceful state. It's a tranquil state. That's not a bad thing. And you can just bring mindfulness to that tranquil state. Um, we can continue to be with the breath from a tired place. And it's fine if there are times when the mind isn't crystal clear. Um, if a period of meditation is, is sleepy, then just be sleepy Buddha. Uh, we shouldn't abandon a meditation session because of sleepiness. And it's a great training to be sleepy because we will always have sleepy moments in our life. So how can we learn how to be with them in a skillful way? Uh, so again, uh, the basic instruction for sleepiness um, is to recognize it. Um, and we've talked about this practice each day so far, and we'll continue to. So first we recognize the sleep, sleepiness, and then we practice feeling it, the second step of feel. So recognize and feel. That's our primary practice for all the hindrances. Um, now, for um, uh, while sleepiness, I find it's actually easier to recognize than the other hindrances. Um, when we feel sleepiness, when we actually sense it in the present moment, I really want to emphasize um, something that I pointed to a lot in the meditation, which is curiosity. So if we can um, sense our experience with curiosity, that really turns up the dial on energy. So curiosity raises energy. Um, so that's that's what I really suggest when you recognize and feel. Um, and this second step of getting to know the sleepiness with curiosity, feeling it with curiosity, has actually been revolutionary in my practice with this hindrance. Um, sleepiness has actually become very interesting to me. Um, so just as an example of some of the things that I would get curious about in my, my sloth and torpor practice, um, sometimes I explore, where is the sleepiest spot in my entire body? You know, I'd find the epicenter of the sleepiness. And sometimes it might be, the epicenter might, might be right behind my left eye. And if I go to that spot, oh, I dip out. But if I kind of move away from that spot in the body, sometimes I'd be able to maintain the energy a little longer. Um, or I might see if I could find the exact moment the mind slips into a sleep state. So that, that crossover from um, awake to asleep in that first moment of um, a shift in state. Or I might check to see if I, you know, can I notice if I fall asleep on an in-breath or an out-breath? Or if I'm counting my breath from one to 10, um, where do I lose track? Um, am I falling asleep um, on breath two? Or do, is it, you know, maybe I'm there for breaths one through five, and then I um, lose track around six and seven. So these are just all different ways that I found to, to explore the experience. Um, and, and what I found is sometimes the mind is just way too heavy, uh, too dull to notice any of that. And then sometimes there's other flavors of sleepiness where um, there's a tiredness in the mind and there is that falling asleep, but it's a lighter feeling and it, it's um, I'm more able to explore what's happening there. So you can just play around with these and see what you discover. Those are all ways uh, just to, to bring some curiosity towards what it is that you're feeling and what you're noticing. Yeah. 
So uh, as mentioned um, many times today, um, the antidote for sloth and torpor is energy. Um, during the meditation, I mentioned a few, but just so you can hear them again. If you're sleepy, try opening your eyes, sitting up straighter, uh, taking a few deep breaths. Um, if you were on retreat and intending to be sitting for a long time, you might get up and go for a brisk wash, walk or splash cold water on the face. Um, and if you need to, go take a nap. Uh, there's no crime in napping. Um, one thing that was really helpful for me was making the, bo the body colder. So rather than bundling up in a cozy way in the meditation hall or in my room, um, sitting in a t-shirt if the room is cool or opening the window, and that brings my energy right back up. Uh, if you're someone uh, where you think that um, it might be defensive sleep, you're you're um, becoming sleepy so then you don't have to feel something or if you maybe if you just notice the pattern of sleepiness happening a lot you might ask yourself is there something underneath this you just drop in that question is there something underneath this um, and that can at times reveal whether you know is there is there something else that i'm feeling here and um, that can reveal what's going on kind of unveiling uh, any underlying emotion or feeling that the sleepiness is masking. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, as with all the hindrances, um, notice when the sleepiness passes. You know, notice when those, those clouds clear and the sun shines again, when the mind perks up from the sleepiness and there's energy that returns. Notice when the mind is bright. So just a few more notes on the attitude in meditation uh, with this with the hindrances um, the buddha was visited by hindrances up through the night that led to his awakening so it's not something to be so hard on ourselves about um, no need to judge yourself for having hindrances uh, instead we can relate to them as valuable messengers that have come to teach us you know, can we respect our hindrances as teachers our role is to meet them, uh, not as a diversion from the path, but as the path itself. Uh, we can think of the hindrances as whatever it is that we're dealing with. Um, we can think of that hindrance as the next stepping stone on the path. So when we, we can meet a hindrance with, um, with recognition, with curiosity, with patience, we're simultaneously cultivating a wholesome state. So this isn't something going wrong. When you can be present with a hindrance, so many wholesome qualities are being cultivated. Seeing a hindrance can actually bring joy and delight. So working with the hindrances is cultivating these beautiful qualities. So today, if you find yourself getting sleepy, uh, rather than immediately reaching for the cup of coffee, maybe just postpone the coffee for a few minutes to explore what sleepiness is like uh, can you recognize and feel it can you get curious about it how do you cultivate energy um, uh, is there a mental state causing the sleepiness such as boredom when i was in high school doing my math homework uh, sitting in my desk chair often before i knew it i'd find myself waking up with my head on the desk <laughs> so you can guess how i felt about math in high school um, so clearly my attitude during that activity put me right to sleep um, so uh, 
How does sleepiness show up for you? Uh, is the sleepiness serving as a mask to block an emotion? So there's plenty of ways of it to explore with this. Um, and I hope that you, uh, you enjoy it. May you have just enough sloth and torpor today, to, today uh, that you have the opportunity to cultivate all sorts of wholesome states of mind in response. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a lovely day.